This week on the Dragzine Podcast, we have Bill Lute stopping by to talk about his days of running the OSCRA and much, much more. So, pull those belts tight, get ready to put in the beams. The Dragzine Podcast starts now. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Dragzine Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Associate Editor Brian Wagner. We are back after our hiatus due to helping implement the new shows on speed video and we're coming out swinging with bill lutz and it's a great great interview you get to hear about bill's racing history no prep kings and a whole lot more so uh let's get this drag racing party started all right my guest here on the drag zine podcast this week is mr big boost bill lutz what's going on bill oh nothing much uh just working trying to keep things afloat during uh these crazy times that we're in right now um you know it's uh, everybody seems to be working from home i'm still in the office working uh but for the most part you know just trying to stay healthy and obviously not not get this uh virus that's going around and uh, just trying to keep everybody healthy yeah you know it's trying to stay healthy and trying to you know just like you said navigate these unprecedented and crazy times and you know it's it's kind of interesting seeing how different people are reacting to it. You know, what's going on. And, you know, it's like we talked about the pre-show with this deal is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like not dwell on it nearly as much because we just get inundated with all that, you know, just kind of talking the racing stuff to just kind of bring like some sort of like normalcy back to our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, like I said, it's times that it's uncharted waters where none of us has ever really been in. Um, you know, and it's a, uh, it's a trying time for a lot of people, you know, from, you know, people not getting checks, you know, for unemployment and different things, um, you know, and it's just really a bad, bad deal all the way around. Well, to, to kind of go just, you know, kind of slide right into what's going on, you know, you talked about uncharted waters. Well, charted waters, something that's kind of new and relevant going on to you is the, uh, what seems to be the constant ever thrash and evolution of your Camaro. And th- this car has been through a lot of different iterations and to kind of set the, set the stage for this, you know, you, you do, we can get into more of this later with the no prep Kings deal, but you know, you, you're going back out to run that stuff hardcore. And before all this stuff went crazy, you guys were trying to get your car ready in a very short amount of time before this event, the first event, you know, kind of tell the story behind that whole deal and what you guys are trying to do and you know what's going on with the car right now well the car is uh going into paint early next week up at a uh, vix body shop um going to pretty much be identical to last year but over the winter we decided that you know we wanted to replace the original 67 body parts just because they they had taken a beating over the years you know that was the original roof original upper quarter panels um, and, um, there's just so much, um, a lot of miles and, and abuse and, and everything else out there, you know, it's just like, uh, we just wanted to, uh, take it and, you know, make it, put all new body panels on. Obviously they're a lot lighter than, you know, than a normal deal. Um, but you know, it, uh, it definitely will, be lighter for when we when we do get back out there hopefully it's super soon i mean um you know and um uh, you know just if we get out there then you know we'll have the opportunity to have a lighter car and all that good stuff you know it's just um you know we we feel that we're going to lose probably 75 to 100 pounds uh just out of body work well, it was crazy when I when you guys started posting pictures on the social media what was going on. You know, I was looking at the calendar on when the race was coming up, and I saw these pictures of the car just literally just like naked tubing and stuff laying around. I'm like, man, these guys are they're cutting a little close. And you ended up you had procured yeah. a a rental car as well, right? Yeah, yeah, we had a backup plan. Um, Pat Gibson was going to let me borrow his car for the first race, uh, you know, and then after it obviously got canceled. We um, we made some changes in on our schedule. You know, we would have we would have been full steam ahead. I mean, I would have been at South Georgia with the car, no problem at all. But it just that uh, you know we we had to make sure that we um, 
that we have a car that's available. So what, what our plan is now is get it painted next week. Uh, we got a, you know, this year we switched to the uh, seven speed Liberty. Uh, we're the first domestic car with a turbo that's ever tried this. And, you know, Nicole uh, and uh, Craig Liberty really felt that uh, this was a good way to go. They, they said they've been trying to get somebody to try this for quite a while. And we basically said, well, you know, if you guys believe it's the right way to go, let's try it. Uh, so they did, and uh, it's in the car. Uh, Ryan uh, from the Work Speed Shop did an awesome job. If you see the pictures of it, I mean, he completely did redid the entire firewall in the car. He um, had to move a couple of bars around to get the Liberty in. It's really wide and really long compared to a normal transmission by the time you put the lockup converter in it, you move the tranny back because of that. And then you got a um, quick drive in it. And then you got the seven speed Liberty. There's a lot of moving parts there and, you know, and it's all way back there. Um, so basically, you know, you got to, uh, you got to move some things around to make all that fit. But uh, we also put a new um, feather carbon nose on the car. Uh, the old one was breaking apart at uh, world cup when we were trying to, going to fives and trying to go 250 out there, the nose just gave way. So we put a brand new uh, feather carbon nose on it and um, put a little extra rigidity to it in the, um, in the nose area of it, because, you know, they're not super aerodynamic. We're not allowed to have swoopy noses or anything on the car. So kind of like pushing a, you know, a cardboard a piece of plywood down the track more or less, but it's uh, one of those deals that, um, he, he did an awesome job with it. Now, now we're up there. We're, we've been working every night trying to get everything all lined up. You got to basically line the crank, the converter, the quick drive, and the Liberty all have to be in a perfect, almost a perfect line with like three thousandths run out on everything. And I'll tell you, that's, that's hard to, uh, that's hard to actually get everything in a line and get it with that tight of a uh, run out on it. For sure. And it kind of all that ties into where I wanted to go with this is that that car and you yourself, you know, we talked about this in the pre-call. You're a racer that has lived a thousand different racing lives. And those of us that are local here to central Ohio know that car all so well. And, you know, it's been all over the place. You know, I've got pictures of that thing when you in the ADRL days when you decided that you wanted to try to make a full eighth mile pass on the wheelie bar. So, you know, it's the outlaw 10-5, heavy street, everything else. You know, what kind of run down the history of that car and, you know, your, your racing history? Um, well, you know, the car, the car, I mean, I've owned it so long. I mean, that's why it's made so many transitions. Um, you know, it's, I think we've figured out Iona now 27 years, roughly. Um, and you know, the, the, when I first got the car, it had a, just a crate 502 in it with about 600 worth of, uh, nitrous on it. Um, and back then it would run nine flat. I could drive it anywhere on the road. I wanted to go, you know, it was still a big tire car and everything, but you know, it, it, uh, basically, um, was a, a kind of a fast street cruiser back then. Uh, then, you know, I got the bright idea that, hey, you know, I wanna, I wanna put a bigger motor in it. So then we put a, a uh, Gene Fulton 615 in the car and it did, it went faster. I mean, it went, it went eight seventies back then. And, um, you know, we, I, I felt that we had enough power back then to go into the sevens with the Fulton motor. And we, um, at that point I had Billy Webb redo the car and it lost probably 300 pounds but it immediately went into sevens and I, you know i was just like man all i want to do is go 799 with a nine and i'm happy you know and that uh the very first time out with the car it went 770 and so we uh we were extremely happy with that and at that time outlaw 105 the orska deal was going on and it was the the becoming of the Tim Lynch's and uh, the Jack Barfields back then. And I just knew that the 615 would not hold up with what they were doing, you know, because the rules back then were just straight 3,000 pounds. This is the tire you run. And pretty much anything else went. Um, and 
we went to we went to Huntsville to run one of the one of the very last few horse races that they had and I remember you know we went our best ever run I think we went 450 or 440 on a on a 10.5 tire which you know we were ecstatic by going that on a with a single four barrel 615 and a real car and uh, we didn't make the field and you know and on the way home I, I looked at the guys and I'm like we're never coming to another race and not making a field. So, you know, I mean, so we got to figure out what to do. So then we went turbos and, you know, and then we, so we ran, went and run NMCA for quite a few years. Uh, had a, one year we had a really, really, really tight um, battle with Frank Mushaw and ended up losing it by two points or something in the very final of it. But uh, you know, the, the cars, the cars always been good. You know, we, we ran heavy street at Orlando um, back when heavy street couldn't go in the uh, couldn't go in the sixes at all. You know, nobody had ever did it. We went in and um, basically, you know, we went 699 at 203 at Bradenton and everybody was like, you know, that can't be right. You know, but then we, we, we repeated it multiple times. So it was definitely a, a legit run. And, um, but yeah. And then, you know, now, we we went to um, you know no prep kings on small tires. Now we're on the invite list for 2020. If we get the race, I mean that's all up in the air currently. But if we get the race, we will be um, we'll be in the uh, invite list on the big tire deal now. So I mean that's always exciting to uh, get an opportunity to run against all those guys. You know, whether it be Ryan Martin or Chuck or whoever, I mean, uh, you know, all of them are top players over there. And, um, you know, we look we look forward to the to the opportunity to do that. And, you know, and also to showcase our talents on a on a on a big stage with, you know, with a great group of guys that, you know, that are all top notch racers. You know, that just shows, like I said, just all the different racing lives you've lived, but you forgot one. You know, you had that little pro mod car that, you know, set a few records at different tracks, went fast, and, you know, you almost won a uh, IHRA championship with that car as well. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was one that, uh, you know, that having to sell that brings back bad memories, you know, because of the health issues that I went through. Uh, you know, I had cancer first, uh, beat that, no problem. Then I go in for just a simple gallbladder operation, and it went horribly, horribly wrong, and uh, eight operations later and, um, you know, and, and, uh, but I am healthy again. And, uh, but, you know, out of that, I had to sell the pro mod car. You know, we, we did win a, you know, an Ironman with it. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we set multiple records that year, but, you know, again, we came up, we came up one round short, but, you know, because of cancer, I had to skip a race, you know, it's like, it's like, it's always just been that one little thing, you know, and, but you know what? You look at life and what happens, and you you can't dwell on it. You know, you just move on and just say, you know, it is what it is. And you know, this is meant to happen for a reason. Uh, you know, I was meant to spend dang near a year in a hospital. I was meant to go through eight operations. Um, you know, it, it for whatever reason, life is teaching you lessons, and some of them are harder than other ones. Well, you know, kind of going off of that, you know, you talk about teaching lessons. You know, if I remember correctly, then you came back out with, you know, the, the current Camaro and you went no time racing and uh, you started handing out some lessons. You got to you got yeah. to you got to rep real fast and put those boys on notice. Yeah. What was that? Well, like? yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in the very first race we went to with the car, we won with it. You know, so it's like uh, and then we went on, to, I think, to win nine more this, you know, that year with uh, the first year back with the 67. And, um, you know, and it's just like, it was almost a dream come true because it is when you're down at your, at your furthest that you can be, you know, to come out and, and bounce back and win that, you know, win Tyler's race, which ended up being the last race Tyler had that was ever completed. Um, you know, all these wins, you know, they beam more, you know, uh, we went up there to the, you know, the shy down shy showdown. Uh, Ron Story and uh, Ron Jr. and that and won that race, you know, and uh, yeah, they're like, you know, we don't think your car will make it down this track. And Kenny's like, I just need two passes on it and we'll figure it out and we'll go down it. And sure enough, I mean, that's all we needed. 
and um you know and it's it's been a, it's been a really really uh good couple of years you know um last year we brought bill divine on with bullseye turbos and you know we've proved it you know those turbos will make the power of any other turbo out there and actually i believe they make more you know uh you know size for size i believe that they're you know we stack them up against anything and um you know it's just a it's been a it's been a long journey and and we'll always be trying to make the car better each year i mean you know obviously next year hopefully we ain't got to put a whole new body on it again and all this stuff but you know you you're always trying to advance because if you're not moving forward you're going to get passed up you know i mean um I remember a, a company gave me a product and it was, it was light years ahead of other, of other products out there. And the first thing I told him is that I said, you cannot rest on what you gave me. You already have to be working on the next design. That's better than this. And they're like, well, we're not sure that there will ever be anything any better. And I'm like six months and the competition will catch up and pass you. I mean, that's all there is to it. Six months is what you, is the window you have to make something better than this right here. And, uh, you know, and it, it, it's hard for companies to believe that, but let me tell you, I mean, if, if you're, if you're precision turbo and Bill Divine with bullseye turbo comes out with something that's better than what you have, I mean, the, one, it pisses them off, <laughs> but two, it forces them to be better. And and that's how that's how we got to where we are today with a seven speed transmission, lockup converters. Uh, you know, I mean, that's how you get to the point you are. I mean, you run out of the limitation of the old stuff. I mean, hell, I remember when when you know we had Bosch 160 injectors, and that was the biggest we had. You know, now billet atomizers, you know, they're I believe they were up to 15, 16, 1800 pounds per hour now you know we run twin 800s of theirs uh per cylinder in our car but i i mean so technology is catching up with everything that you know as we push that envelope farther down the road the parts have all now came into the same area to where they can all you know we can we can do it all you know we got all the parts it takes to make the power you know and uh whether it be with a procharge or whether it be with a you know, turbos, nitrous, whatever technologies out there. That's, it's just made it crazy. I mean, you know, the, the amount of stuff, I mean, you, you look at these radio versus world cars. I mean, I remember when they were going, you know, three nineties, three eighties. And everybody's like, look, I mean, that's the fastest it's ever going to go. And here we I, are. I, I, I remember when Tim Lynch went four forty nine on a 10, five tire on a 10, five W. And I'm like, look, I'm telling you right now, never going quicker than that. <laughs> yeah well you just say it was wrong but i mean it's just amazing that the way technology has allowed us to get after these cars early at the run i mean you know when we run this car on a radio i mean it's got 70 pounds of boost in one second Whoa. i mean so you know you know everything from the motor to the rear gears have all been beefed up through the, the years to allow that i mean you're not doing that on a on a Dana 60 rear end, you know, it's just not going to happen. No. <laughs> Say, you know, you run 10 inch gears or some people's even moved to the 10 and a half and, and 11 inch gears. Uh, you know, everybody now has billet center sections and some's got billet rear ends. I mean, we still run a fabricated rear end from uh, Marty Merlet. I think his rear ends are as good as anybody in the world. So, I, you know, I put them up against any billet rear end out there or anything, um, you know, and, um, you know, Marty, Marty redid my car two years ago. He rebacked after it, moved me back in the car. Um, and, you know, Marty built some awesome stuff, especially for Mustangs and that, you know, whether it be torque boxes or, you know, rear ends. I mean, that's really his specialty. But he took my car in two years ago and really, uh, you know, really put it under the knife and uh, did a phenomenal job with it, and uh, I was never happier with anything. And like I said, and then Ryan did it this year, and he did more or less the front side of the car and kind of the middle. So really, there's nothing left of the car from the original car anymore. And that's what happens when you own something for so long. Like I said, it, it, it's, it falls directly with what you just said, technology, and how it progresses, yep. and the cars progress. And 
you know, with, with hosting the show that I do with Tech Inspection and kind of diving in with some of the, these, you know, that that's the, the biggest theme that all of these people we've had on talk about is the progression of technology across the board in drag racing. Like, you had, you know, the first kind of like, what you know, the Stone Age of drag racing, you know, and then you had like the kind of like the what I call like the golden age of, you know, when it was, you know, the 70s, 80s with fuel cars. But it seems like with this radial tire, small tire, like the heads up car stuff, that the window for technology and the speed is just like nothing we've ever seen before. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And I mean, you know, I, re I remember when the 7531 box came out from MSD and, you know, it had the dot curves in it. And, you know, and the funny part was, is, you know, Pro Stock had had that box for multiple years prior to the public really knowing what it even was. And, um, you know, but like that was a game changer, getting that with the, you know, with the dry shaft curve and the in limiting the engine RPM based off of a curve that you put in the box, you know, and then you have guys like Shannon Davis, which tries to think so far outside of the box i mean oh, that dude <laughs> uh, you know i i mean you know i i don't even understand how the guy comes up with what he comes up with but uh you know his you know you we used to have a four magnet dry shaft color now we have one that i think has 24 32 60 however many magnets they can possibly fit in them and um you know and it's just amazing you know, you're taking a tire sample, basically every, a dry shaft sample, about every quarter turn of that tire or less, it's actually taking a sample of that dry shaft and trying to make the grass go up or down accordingly. And, you know, and, and it's, it's crazy to come back from a run and look at what all the EFI did and what all the Davis box does. I, I mean, I don't even know how we ever used this, how we ever got a car down a track prior to doing this. And, um, you know, and it's just it's just crazy, really, where the technology's going. And honestly, I can't wait to see where it goes. I mean, I know, you know, Tim Camus kind of makes fun of some stuff and uh, says that, you know, we'll have remote control cars. And I, I mean, I, I do agree that with him that there's a lot of crutches out there, per se, you know, to make a driver that isn't quite as good a driver as somebody else, you know, be in the same class and stuff. But but you still have to have brains to you and drive these cars. You know, you, you get it out of the groove and don't get out of it. You're going to wad one up. You know, I mean, uh, you you know you you don't get out of the throttle soon enough. I mean, these these cars have a wick on them that's a specific length, and you know you run this car a hundred foot past the finish line under full throttle. You know, we're already at you know ten thousand two hundred, ten thousand four hundred at the finish line. It's, you know, when it has to go to 10,800 to, to run that extra 100 or 200 feet that an inexperienced driver may run it, that's catastrophic. I mean, it may do it once and it may do it twice, but at some point the connecting rods are going to exit stage right off out of the motor. I mean, uh, you know, there's that, there, that small window there that you have to really keep these cars happy in. You know, these motors, they don't, they don't want to run. Like my motor doesn't want to be at eleven thousand. It'll go ten four, okay, uh, but at eleven thousand, it's problems. You know, it, it's funny. We had this conversation before. I remember when we talked about you know with uh, with the Davis products and stuff like that. That they're a tool. That's all they are is a tool, and you still have to have some knowledge to understand how to use that tool because it, you know it's only going to take you so far. It's not like this magic bullet. And that's what this a lot of this technology is. And it's the people that have figured out how to use this technology the most that are benefiting and seeing the best, best, best performances. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and again, you know, not just the, just the products have stepped up, but so, so as tuners, I mean, you know, whether it be somebody like Billy Stockland or Stevie, you know, which I know they're kind of a team, uh, you know, then you go over to Petty and, Jamie and uh, Josh and all these guys. I mean, all these, you know, Patrick, uh, Jason, you know, they, all these guys have stepped their games up also, uh, which then again, forces the manufacturers back, you know, 
I, I can't tell you how many advancements we have in the Hall Tech system based off of Patrick Barnhill's suggestion back to Hall Tech on, hey, I need this in the box. I need this to do it a specific way. Uh, and I'm sure that Fuel Tech's the same way with, you know, Steve and um, Jamie and Josh and them, that, you know, hey, we need this to function this way or, you know, this box is missing this feature that we have to have. Oh, yeah, um, totally. You know, I remember I remember talking with Shannon Davis about the bump box, you know, that was such a game changer in the turbo world. And, you know, and he goes, you know, that product was a whole different product. It was for a supercharged car uh, that we were using to turn on and off fueled uh, management systems. He goes, and Steve Petty called me one day and goes, hey, you know, we have a problem here we're trying to figure out, you know, and we need this car to be able to bump under wide open power without, you know, you don't have to hold the brakes. It's going to bump you in the same every time. And he goes, you know, I went back in the shop and I'm like, well, what could I use? You know, and he goes, I had this thing over there. And he goes, now that became the bump box, you know. And uh, he goes, I sent it to Steve and him, and sure enough, he goes, it worked the way we thought it would. And uh, I, I, he, I think he told me he sold a million dollars of it in his first year or more. And, you know, again, that that's the technology that's allowed uh, these cars to do what they do. And like dump valves on transmissions, you know, if we're at a track and there's a really bad bump in it, before we would have to pull power there. Now we can open up a dump valve there, not let that converter couple so hard, to, you know, to where it tries to rattle the tires or spin the tires and then close the valve. Once you get on the other side of the, uh, the bump or the dip or whatever it is. And, um, you know, and it, like I said, it's really, a, it's really amazing the amount of technology that, that we have. And like I said, and where it's going, I mean, I have no idea where it's going, but, you know, I embrace it. And um, and if you don't embrace it, honestly, you're in the wrong sport. I mean, because you, you need to get out quick because it's it's definitely a, a deal where technology is what is what's making these cars run the numbers they are and they'll continue to go quicker and faster. I just don't know how much, you know, I never dreamed that you know, on a little bitty 275 tire, we could go, you know, six flat at 240 or 245 mile an hour. I mean, I never dreamed that would be possible. You know, um, <laughs> let's talk about that because, you know, we were, I was up at World Cup when you guys were trying to do that. And that was, that was bananas to watch. Like when that thing was hooked up and rolling, I, I was on the, you know, talk with, you know, fellow media people and, you know, what you got going on. I was like, man, if they get a hold of this thing, watch out it's going to be a it's going to be wild what was it like trying to to will that car down the track at that speed on that little bitty tire you know it, it's really you know and i've told multiple people this uh, you know the the radial tire is such a smooth tire to drive on i mean it's honestly when they say you're taking it for a sunday drive it truly is i mean because you don't have the soft sidewall of a slick so the rear of the car is not moving around and you're not counter steering, trying to keep it going straight, you know? So unless that car goes out and, and literally just knocks the tires off or it's carrying the wheels and you can't steer, honestly, it's a very uneventful ride. I mean, it's, it's crazy to say that, uh, you know, now, like I said, on the one qualifying run, we went six flat on again and the nose came up like four foot in the air. Now that was a little bit of info because I couldn't see where I was going. It ripped the uh, it ripped the tubes off of the valve covers. Well, you know, when it's got boost in it, oil's coming out. I mean, it, it, that was a little bit different, you know. But uh, it, it's really the, one of the most uneventful rides ever. I mean, um, you know, you put it on a twenty eight slick, and and it's like then you really really have to drive the car, and you're driving it by the feel in your butt, you know, the car wants to move left, you got to counter steer it right, you know, and if it's moving right, you got to counter steer it left. And, um, uh, you know, on the radial, you just kind of hang on. <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple on them. You just hang on and let it, let it do its thing. And if, you know, and try to react to anything that it does negatively, which I don't think, you know, isn't much really on a radial tire. Well, it's funny because, you know, with, with the import versus domestic, you know, that's, 
probably the last really big quarter mile race for small tire guys. And you just don't see a lot of guys running out the back door like that these days because it's it's a whole different ball game on those you know slicks let alone a radial tire trying to make that car behave itself with all of this new technology we have it it's really interesting to see you guys make all that work yeah well and you know there's a lot of things obviously that people don't see that you know like i said you know either the hall tech box the fuel tech box the holly box um they all have wheelie control in them uh you know davis box has it too you know, so like if that car goes out in wheelies and it doesn't try to flip over backwards really quick, uh, you know, almost every car you've ever seen that gets way up in the air, all of them have wheelie control on them, but it can only make certain adjustments at at a rate of, you know, if it once it gets above eight inches or 10 inches, it's over. Uh, you know, then, then it can go anywhere at once. And, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, you see these cars some of them have flipped over uh some of them have pretty much flipped over except the nose comes off of them lets them come back down like marcus's car did at south georgia last year jesus that was Uh, nuts but you know they all have wheelie control on them but it just went up too quick and the the efi system can't catch it quick enough and really nothing can at that point and uh you know and and that's always a, a thing that you have to deal with as a driver we have all these things to make the car do certain things, but you always have to be ready for the unexpected. Um, you know, and that's the biggest thing as a driver, when you're sitting in the seat, you know, you have to think, Hey, you know, what, what if it does this or what if it does that? How, how am I going to counteract that? And uh, you know, and, and it's as simple as, you know, like when Marcus's car, if it didn't come up so quick, He's a good enough driver uh, that, you know, he could have rode the brakes and, and brought that car down and not let it go up any higher. But it, the the problem with it was is once the wind got under it, oh yeah, he was just there for the ride, you know. And, um, you know, but like I said, he's a good enough driver that he could do that if he had the opportunity. He just didn't have the opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, and that's, that's, you see it all the time. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a ton of times when people get in trouble and they get out of it. And it's just like, you know, it, um, <clears throat> well, with, with Marcus's deal, that was crazy because I was standing, you know, I was doing the, the pit, the staging lane interviews and we were, they just gone back out the racing and I happened to turn around when he was making that pass. And you can tell when crazy stuff's going on by crowd reactions and, before I heard the roar of the crowd, I saw his car raising above everybody's heads that had packed, you know, the water box there at South Georgia. And when you see something like that at the track, your heart sinks because you, in my mind, I knew how high that car was and, every, and just how bad things it went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it reminded me of uh, the, of Daniel Ferris's deal. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, where it went super high also and then it ripped the nose off the car and let it come back down. And, you know, that, that's the biggest difference between those two cars wheeling and the one Mills had, the one Mills had the nose didn't come off the car. No. And, you know, so then it became worse because the nose stayed on the car, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those deals. You just, like I said, you, as a driver, you're always thinking about what, what can happen and how you have to react to it. You know, every, Every time I go to a new racetrack, the first thing I do is I go to the very end of the racetrack and look, you know, if a, if a parachute doesn't work, the brakes don't work, the throttle hangs open. What do I have to, what options do I have down here? You know, and, uh, you know, two years ago or three years ago, when I was driving Rob Spar's uh, twin turbo Mustang at World Cup. I mean, the throttle hung open on it and, you know, and the, the EFI system said we was running almost 270 mile an hour oh. by the time I could get the car shut down, you know, manually because the shoots, the shoots weren't helping because it was running wide open. And, and, you know, it takes you a second to, to understand what's going on. And, and at any other track in the world, other than MIR, you'd have been screwed. I mean, that car would have been destroyed and who knows what would have happened to myself, you know? Um, 
but you know, I had the, the common sense that, you know, I'm at a very, very long racetrack. I do have time to shut the motor down and, you know, get on the brakes hard. And, um, you know, sure enough, it, it, I got it stopped and made the last turn off and everything was good. Uh, but you know, at a, at a different racetrack that doesn't happen. So then you have to have a plan, you know, and, yeah. and if you haven't been to the end of a racetrack yet that you haven't been to, you don't know what the plan is. You know, that's one thing, even with, you know, my 10 second street car, anytime I've gone to any new track, that's, that's something, yeah, that I've always done is you ask, where's tech, you go look around, you look and see where all the safety stuff is, because it doesn't matter how quick or fast you're going at the track, bad things are going to happen when they happen, it's going to suck. And it's, it's good to know where things are at because it can make a difference, not only to save your life or help you, but help a fellow racer if they're having problems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of thumbing, talking about that, you, you, you talked about the, uh, you know, right there, you, the, the wild ride of Rob's car. Is there some other stories that kind of stick out in your mind where it was like maximum sketchiness occurred? Oh yeah. We were at, uh, we were down at Atlanta dragway and, um, you know, and, and as a racer, as a driver, and, and, you know, you always have tracks you love and you have tracks that you hate. Um, one that I hate with a passion is Route 66. You know, I, I, every time I've ever been there, I've always, always qualified one or two uh, in the field, but I've never made it past round one with a motor intact ever at Route 66. Uh, we've dropped rods where you know we knocked rods out the side we've dropped uh intake valves uh you know any crazy thing that can happen to the motors happened at route 66 but on the flip side at maple grove i've never lost a round of racing at maple grove you know so, um but you know you just you, you have tracks you like but like you know like in my pro mod you know we have you know had a hemi in it uh, you know, it was a wet sump motor, but with a tank that the that the external pump pulls from. And, you know, it has 14, 16 quarts of oil in it. And the pump, as the second that I released the tranny brake, the oil tank split in, on, on two seams, um, two welds, and literally dumped every quart of oil that we had in the tank underneath the tires. And I got an awesome picture of it. Actually, somebody... Somebody was snapping a picture of it at that exact time, and it looks so weird because you see this great big huge green mist coming off the slicks, and uh, but that car wrecked four times on that before we got to sixty foot, but never hit anything. And uh, you know, and uh, one time we broke a uh, an oil line, uh, oil line fitting going to the oil pump off at uh, at um, Norwalk, and. You know, and the car, the car went out. It had just shifted into high gear, and I and I heard the RPMs go way up. And I was like, you know, there's no way this car should be spinning out here. So I just let out and clicked it off, and um, you know, not realizing that it was pumping every quart of oil out of it again. And uh, but you know, if you go out there and you hit the brakes and you've got oil under the slicks and under the front tires, you're done. You know, and I just coasted it down to the other end. Uh, you know, they're, they're, especially when you've owned cars and driven cars as long as I have, there's always stories, you know, that that you could come, you know, that you've had over the years. Um, you know, we had a, a brake uh, caliper come apart on my 67 way back when uh, Bill Bader used to run his Friday night chaos deal. And, you know, in, in our infinite wisdom, we just beat the front brake lines completely shut. And only ran a car, you know, going 220, 225 mile an hour with only rear brakes. <laughs> but seems legit. Know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as racers, we do some dumb shit, you know. But it's uh, luckily we we live to uh, talk about it and live another day. Then you had that uh, that turbo that turbo eclipse for what, like ten minutes one time? Yeah, yeah. We had a we had that one one time. Uh, we, we've had some weird stuff here and there. Uh, I took it to World Cup, and every time you get on it, it would pressurize the system, blow water everywhere. Uh, but, you know, that's I guess that's a four-cylinder deal. That's kind of whatever. Uh, I guess that's kind of their thing. Yeah, that's the, that's the cool thing. You know, we keep talking about World Cup, and I've talked about that so many times on the show because it's such a cool event to go to. And, 
you just you never know what you're going to see up there and it's it's a party it's a race and it's a party for sure oh 100 percent it is you know i mean people get there on monday to to, to run on thursday you know and uh you got people literally coming from all over the world um you got every dang near probably every brand every motor combination transmission you know you got honda civics that they've made all-wheel drive you've got uh, you know, GTRs that do rear wheel burnouts and then lock in all four wheels. I mean, it's, it's, it's really crazy watching all the different cars and all the different combinations. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, it's gotta be for Jason and his brother and the crew. I mean, it's gotta be a full-time job, just figuring out the rules for all these different combinations. Um, you know, cause I think they have seven, eight, nine different classes. Ten, and, ten classes. Um, ten. Okay, yeah. And, you know, and they got to make it to wear a domestic and an import, and each of those classes are somewhat equal. And, you know, and like in the in the outlaw class, uh, you know, the, the imports have had an advantage the last three years. And, but the the super fast imports aren't the ones that have won. It's always been the the kind of the middle of the pack import and uh, you know it's just the luck of the draw sometimes uh, you know we had a dumb thing happen where our oil heater the cord for it hung down and tripped the tripped the the third beam out there what they call the guard beam um, and turned it red on our car I mean you know and the guy that beat me first round ended up going on and winning it going 620s and 630s I mean it's just literally the luck of the draw. I mean, um, you know, and, and he got a, a very lucky round right there. And I mean, and that's what it's about. I mean, that's how you win. It's something of that nature. You know, you got to usually have one round where you win it off of just luck, you know, and that was that one. Uh, he probably won one round off of his light. You know, one day, one time you have to cut a light, usually outrun somebody. And then, uh, and then you just rely on the car the rest of the time, you know, Kind of going off of that, you know, like you said, you've raced in all kinds of, you know, big events and whatnot. And that's one thing, I, you know, with these big events, do you think it's more of, you know, as a racer, you have to be prepared for those because they're wars of attrition. You have to be ready to go all those rounds and deal with a lot of scenarios, right? Oh, you do. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and that's where a, a small funded team like myself, I mean, and, and I know people look at my car and that they're like, that isn't, you know small time funded, but it really is. I mean, you know, like my motor's a used motor. I don't buy brand new motors. I don't have a pro line motor. I don't, you know, I mean, there's, we, we try to do as much as we can on, on a very, very limited budget. And, you know, I don't have a spare set of cylinder heads in the trailer. I don't have any of that stuff at the moment, but you know, you have to, I mean, we do a very, very rigorous, maintenance program on our car you know it's uh 50 runs it gets new connecting rods put in it uh you know 75 to 100 it has new valve springs put in it you know there's we, we've got a regiment that we do and we follow that very tightly because of the fact of you know if you don't i mean to, to repair them is twice as much as just freshening them and keeping them fresh and running you know, you know, you get you don't have a pro line motor, but you got a cool motor with that Minor Brothers Hemi because that's something you like. That's usually you see those in like you know alcohol cars or tractor pulling. Yeah, right? they're, yeah, they're huge in the tractor pulling world, and that that's what most people always say. Oh, you got a tractor puller motor in there? Well, yeah, it runs dang good. You know, what I mean, but um, you know, Bob Miner and Adam and all the guys at Minor Brothers, they do treat us very good and. Uh, help us out as much as they can, um, you know, but, um, you know, Bodie runs the same motor in his car, um, it, but it is a very, very good motor. Uh, yeah, I, it's not the lightest motor in the world, but uh, they do make great power, especially in an unlimited boost atmosphere. That's where they really perform really well to where, you know, you're not limited to X amount of boost. Uh, the Miter Brother motors really, really, really uh, shine under those conditions yeah that, that's our movie said you're running a miners brothers motor and you know, some people are like what the hell's that i'm like all right like you said that's awesome because it's a pulling tractor motor and anybody that goes to a tractor pull 
knows how absolutely gonzo those things are. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, they're like I said, they're they're what most people would consider older technology. Although I'm telling you, they run as well as anything out there, whether it be a Brad or a Noonan or a, you know a uh, MBE or whatever. I mean, it runs as well as all that stuff. An AJ motor, I mean, uh, and an unlimited boost atmosphere. I mean, these motors work very well. And, you know, I, I picked this motor up uh, fresh with uh, three sets of rods, um, uh, two sets of spare pistons. I mean, 20 push rods, all this stuff. I picked it up for 17 grand off of the internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lord. Uh, you know, and that's a billet block, billet head motor, and that way you had two thousand dollars in a billet intake somebody had laying around, and um, you know, and it's uh, I got under twenty in a complete billet Hemi, you know, and it's you look at what an LS motor costs to build, or a Ford small block, or you know, a two JZ, anything like that. I mean, I don't, I mean, it just makes sense to buy this type of a motor and run it. To put that in perspective, there's guys that have more wrapped up in their super comp dragster engine than what you have in a heads up engine. Oh yeah. That's yeah, usually. Yeah. Wow. You know, going off of that now, you know, you've you've raced all this different stuff. You've gone to the no prep deal, you know, you you, you fought you know, you fought your way into the no prep kings, you did some small tire racing, had some good battles there, and then you went to the to the streets with JJ. What was a <laughs> What was that like? <sighs> Man, I tell you, that is a uh, that is a deal in itself. I mean, and 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 I'll be honest. I mean, it, I didn't know what to expect on there. I did. I, I had never met JJ. I had barely ever even watched his TV show at that point. And um, you know, and uh, we get down there, and I mean, they truly treat you like family. I mean, um, they're they're real people. They're down to earth. Um, you know we went down to, to Memphis a few days earlier and, uh, Brian, Chucky Davis, myself, Jake Blaine, Johnny quick, all of us on that team Detroit deal. Uh, we were all over there on Riverport road testing and, uh, we, you know, we, we tested really, uh, we tested a lot. And, you know, the bottom line is in the end for the people that watch it, you know, the, we just got beat by a better team. I mean, you know, Nola was a better team than we were at the time. And, um, you know, and that happens from time to time where you just get beat by a better team and, you know, you just admit it and you move on. But, um, you know, watching watching Nola and Texas go after each other down there, you know, from Finney and Bobby getting into a little scuffle and, uh, you know, and watching them go down to, uh, to the last race of the last thing and a car set and a guy jump a little early. I mean, it, it's really cool watching all that. And then it's actually even more interesting to see how they edit it, uh, you know, because you say things and do things that you don't even realize when you're on camera that you're saying. And, you know, when you watch it back, you're like, did I really say that? I mean, I, I don't remember saying that. You're trying to go back through your mind and play everything through. But, um, but like I said, it, it's a really great experience uh we're signed on for season two if that happens uh you know it's supposed to film somewhere in the july range um but you know as we've talked from the beginning everything's truly up in the air right now and uh, we don't really none of us know what's going on unfortunately see you hit on a couple things there that i'd love to talk about because you know i've got to hang out with a lot of different the street outlaw guys and you know, and you'll have this perspective too now because you see it from the outside and then you get to experience it. And you see all these people that talk about how it's rigged and it's fake and this, that, and the other. And the best way to describe it is one, they'll always tell you first and foremost, you're, you're at a TV show first and it's a race as well, but it's first of all, it's a TV show. So it's got to be, you know, certain levels have to be entertaining and there's certain things that kind of get changed there. However, the racing is as real as it gets, and it can get pretty intense around those guys at times. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, and that's, I, you know, I've always said that you know, you, you, 
some people believe it's set up and and like hey i mean there everybody's like well why didn't jj's team race prior to the finals it's his deal <laughs> i mean he makes the rules we come there as teams we agree to the rules when we go there i mean you know i i mean and look i mean i can tell you right now jj's team cannot beat team detroit they can't beat um you know team uh, nola they can't beat team texas south carolina maybe you know um but the bottom line was is we all knew whoever made it to the final it didn't matter who it was we all knew that we were not racing on that street down in in memphis where they film at because you know their cars cannot compete with our cars on that street it's just it's just the facts and you know and jj's the first to tell you that i mean he's like look you got better equipment than i have you got better drivers than i have you got better everything so we have to find a way to make this even and you know so they ended up traveling clear out to las vegas on las vegas boulevard out where nobody lives it's out in the desert and you know and the road was the equalizer and that's how they won uh, you know, but if, if, but we all knew that going in that, that, you know, it would never be, there's no way that we were racing in Memphis on the street that we filmed on. Uh, we just didn't know where we were going, you know, and that's, uh, but you're 100% right. I mean, there's, you know, they, they do want you to be excited. They want you to basically, uh, you know, pump up what you're doing and, but but it's all real. I mean, there's there's nothing fake about it at all. Oh no, it's it, it's very interesting to see kind of how all that unfolds. And you know they they want like you said, you just you watch how they edit things and how they do it, and that that definitely changes how it you know how they have to tell the story because these shows have to have a certain entertainment factor to them because you have to be able to draw in non-racing fans. And as much as you know, it, it people are going to hate it that I'll say this. But it's true that a lot of these racing shows like that are the their WWF, their professional wrestling, kind of in their in their aspect because they want to draw you in on that entertainment factor, that just the entertainment factor. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, hey, I'm telling you right now. I mean, if I mean, the, we all know that the WWE is not legit matches, but. Let me hit you with a chair or let me throw you out of a ring through a table. That's real. That hurts. That's, oh, yeah. You know, there's no way to fake that side of it. And, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, and it's like whether you go to, uh, you know, a uh, monster truck uh, race, you know, is, is the outcome set up? Probably not. But, I mean, there are aspects to it that are I hate to use the word scripted, but that's what it is. I mean, and you, you know, but, but it's for the entertainment factor that it, that you're getting. I yeah. mean, yeah. And you know, if, if they went, if you went to a monster truck thing and nobody wrecked, nobody did anything, they would not have the crowd that they have there. And that's the same with, you know, no prep Kings or any, or JJ show or anybody else. If you just go out there and race, nobody says nothing. It becomes boring and bland and they, and, and nobody will watch it. Nobody pays to watch that, you know? And, and that's the biggest thing that, that, you know, that people have to understand when they talk about, you know, some of the different views that they show or how they manipulate car sounds. I mean, that's to make it better for the consumer watching it. Oh yeah, totally. It's the, that's just what they have to do to to draw all of those extra people in, and it's worked. You know, you you absolutely cannot deny the street outlaw bump that it has caused across drag racing. And if it just gets one extra person to go to a local national event, you know, that's a good thing. And it just it hooks them in even more. And it's you know, it, it, to me, it's 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 been good for everybody. And it's interesting to see the different ways that they that they try to take it, what they try to do with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, and, and that's the deal. I'm I'm really interested to see how uh, Pilgrim Entertainment, who does 
the you know the street outlaw no prep king deal they happened to also do the jj's show you know memphis deal i'm interested to see how they are going to work around this covid19 deal and you know because they need 10 20 30,000 people at an event and i don't know that that's going to happen in 2020 um do I hope it happens? Absolutely. You know, but is it going to happen? I'm not sure, you know, and, but, you know, I, I they got to have some kind of a plan together, uh, you know, because starting on May 1st, everybody's going to start opening things up slowly. Uh, but, you know, is there going to be restrictions on people? You know, Bill Bader kind of touched on it the other day that, you know, he said he was going to open up, and next thing you know, well, <laughs> Mr. Bader's uh, Facebook page is gone, and <laughs> and uh, there was a little bit of backlash to that. Yeah, you know, he he had to kind of he he didn't walk it back, but he definitely added some uh, some clarity to that, which again. You know, kind of when you're on the inside, you know, some extra stuff and kind of what's going on behind the scenes. It could absolutely work. And I think like to your point, it's going to be you're not going to see these big crowds this year. But, you know, for us that are truly hardcore, if they if they said, all right, we're going to let you go racing this weekend. However, you have to stand by your car at all times in the lanes. You can't, you know do like we'll usually do where we bs with people you know strict f- social distancing this that and the other i i think the majority of the racers would be like all right just draw the lines in the sand let's do this well right but you know again like an nhra no prep kings um you know donald's race any of these races at world cup i mean you know they have you know people come in there as fans because they want to talk to you yeah. they want to shake your hand they yeah. want to take pictures with you None of that can happen. Yeah. I mean, and it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be so, so odd. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's just crazy to think that, you know, that we can't shake hands with people anymore. I mean, it's like, I, it just, to me, that's one of the most sacred things in the world. You know, you walk up to another man and you shake his hand and look him in the eyes and, you know, and, you know, and talk to somebody. I mean, now, we got bump elbows or some crap. And it's just yeah. like, you know, I just, uh, I just don't know. You know, I, we we're living in times that, like I said, none of us has ever lived in before. Um, and you know, and it's, it's going to be different. I, you know, I don't know that we'll ever go back to what we had prior to, you know, prior to March, you know, I mean, uh, the, I used to see, you know, foreign people, whether it be Chinese, Japanese, whatever, and they always wore the mask. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, you know. Oh, wait. You know, now, I guess this is going to be some kind of a law, you know, <laughs> that, that we're all going to do it. And, and you know, but well, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's definitely trying times. And, you know, anybody that's out of a job and you know, the, the unemployment situation is a nightmare right now, trying to get unemployment. Um, you know, I'm very thankful that I own my own business, but it is still going to, you know, it's still hard for us business owners to basically do what we do and, you know, the, uh, and, you know, take care of our employees, our customers and all that. But, you know, it, it's it's just it's such a different time. I mean, like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. You know, I mean, I, I think there's going to be tons and tons of and, and it's going to be automotive related too. businesses. It's never going to survive this. You know, it, I, I think that's definitely, you know, it, it it's going to happen, unfortunately. But I think that that's just going to honestly make us appreciate when things start to get somewhat normal even more. And I hope it makes people be a little bit better to each other and kind of, you know, to, to put a bow on things here, you know, what's it going to be like for you, you know, when you get to finally strap into your car 
and you get to get that, you know, get to get belted in by Angie and you get to, you know, get the, the, you know, the ghost time. What, what's that going to be like for you? Well, I mean, obviously it'd be very exciting to be back in the car. Cause that means it's one step closer to going racing. Um, you know, we, we will run a track as soon as the, the day my car's done, <laughs> which like I said, I'm hoping it's here in the next two weeks. Um, we will run a track immediately and start testing the new Liberty transmission and the lockup converter and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, that's the biggest thing is one, getting to spend time with our families. And uh, two, you know, it, it makes, we know we're one step closer to actually being back at a racetrack racing, uh, not only for money, but, you know, for the prestige of, beating people that you know that people don't believe that you can beat or should be able to beat um you know that's what i've always prided ourselves on you know whether it was when we was racing pro mod or whatever you know always do more with less and just be thankful for what you do have in life and you know what if you lose you get out at the other end Normally, I'd say shake their hand. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get out at the other end, wave at them from 10 feet apart or whatever, and say, good job, you know. And on that note, Bill, you know, I, I like to, to wrap things up, given my uh, my guests their their ability to kind of do their best John Force impersonation, if you know, and thank all their sponsors and tell people where to find them at. So, uh, you know, you, you don't have to you don't have to do a John Force impersonation. Alexis DeJoria pretty much set the standard for that to a point where I don't think anybody could ever do as good a impersonation or, but you know, I want to turn it over to you to let, you know, let people know where they can find you at, where you'll be racing, social media sponsors, the whole deal. So, uh, you know, just tell the people about, you know, where they can find you at. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's, most of the time you can find me at work. If I'm not at work, I'm home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I'm not home, I'm up at CIA performance working on the car. Uh, you know, we leave it up there nowadays and, um, uh, you know, do our maintenance work and obviously the paint and everything, because that's also where Vic's body shop is. Um, you know, uh, we get we get tons of help from Hall Tech. We get tons of help from Pro Torque. Um, Liberty Transmissions, obviously, this year came on board. You know, and then it goes through to our dry shaft shop, dry shaft, uh, carbon dry shaft. Uh, you know the brake man uh, takes care of our brake scores, Mickey Thompson on the tires, RC comp on the wheels. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much nonstop. You, you know, we run mentor shocks. I mean, you could, you could go on and on and on. Like I said, you know, Marty Merletts are in the work speed shops, uh, just give it a ton of workforce. You know, anytime you can help out people to help you, that's what it's about, you know? And, um, uh, you know, whether it be BP fuel, anything like that, like I said, there, there's a million things, uh, you know, we run, um, uh, Lord, uh, sometimes you draw a blank on stuff or so much. I mean, I, <laughs> I, fourth and those guys can look at their, at their uniform they're wearing and it'd be like, Oh yeah, this is, you know, this is what we do. Uh, uh, you know, think four, think this, you know, and, uh, that, that's always a huge help when you have that. Um, but, like I said, you, you basically try to try to get all the companies to help you that you can. Um, you know, you have Shannon Davis, Hall Tech, all of them are, all, all of them are a part of, they become a part of your family. And, um, and you, you really appreciate what they do. Uh, you know, fire core wires. There's another one. I mean, there's just, there's just a million things out there, you know, that goes through your head as you're, as you're talking and, uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook under my name, obviously, Bill Bleach. Um, Half the time I'm in Facebook jail, so then you have to also find me under my alias, which is Bill I Am, and then L-O-O-T-S. That's another one of mine. Um, you know, but uh, I, Facebook doesn't like a lot of the stuff that, you know, that people post, whether it be... And, and I don't really ever post anything political or anything. I mean, I try to stay away from that because all it does is alienate people. Uh, but, you know, they they have a pretty soft side at Facebook. And, I mean, they'll put you in Facebook prison for no reason at all, pretty much. And, um, 
but you know we plan on running no prep kings if it comes back and we're able to run it um you know and if if that doesn't happen honestly we have no plan we have no plan b <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean i i you know i really 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 hope that the federal government the states the governors um everybody can get on a plan and implement how we get back prior to March 1st. Um, you know, I think this virus has been here a lot longer than what we've ever known. Uh, a ton of us came back sick from PRI. I think it goes back clear back to there, in my opinion. Um, you know, but who knows? I mean, you, you don't know because we had no testing back then for it. But, you know, it's a it's definitely a game changer in the way we do things in life every day. Well, Bill, appreciate you coming on the show for sure. And uh, look forward to see you at the uh, at the track some point this year. I'll make sure to uh, give you a nice elbow bump. Yeah. Yeah. Lord help us, man. Let's all uh, get through this together and um, and make America better than it was prior to this, hopefully. And, um, you know, try to get our economy back on track. Uh, please support american-made companies you know uh there's so many of them out there whether it's automotive related or um yeah, everyday life i mean there's you know there's american-made products out there that's how we got to get us back on track in this country right now is we got to support america uh first and foremost before we do anything great advice right there bill thanks again looking forward to uh, seeing you soon okay have a great one thanks for bill that's stopping by and as always May your reaction times be crisp and your wind lights bright. Until next week, folks.